0: Father, we just thank you for your word, we thank you for your courage and your power in our life. Lord, we just thank you right now that you're just moving to bring us into your kingdom, Father God. And we just pray this morning that your word would just live inside of us, that we would grow in faith and wisdom and knowledge of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, what have I done here? Doesn't matter. Just a couple of things before we start. Uh, Isaac was mentioning about feeling a little bit stuck before um, at times where we feel like we're not actually doing anything. Um, As Christians, we feel a little bit underwhelmed by our effort. Um, Just so you know, anyone who has already got the email about the Right Now Media, um, if you log on to there, you'll see there's a channel that's Cornerstone Channel that's ours, And there's actually a series there called Unstuck. Okay, So if you want to look at that in your small groups, that will be good. Um, Or if you want to do that as your own personal study as well, that's all about getting out of that place, getting out of that rut that you're in where you feel like you're just stuck as a Christian. So just want to advertise that. If you haven't and you're a regular member of this church, because we emailed to the people that are the members or in the past that we have a list for, just love to get your email address. And what it is, is a resource to allow you to access... I think it's over 3,000 teaching, training DVDs or videos, Um, what do you call it, streamed, that's it. I'm very technical, aren't I? So they're streamed down and you can watch them at any time from your phone, your iPad, uh, your Apple TV if you've got one or your computer, whatever it is like that. So if that's something you've been feeling, take advantage of that resource. Get onto it, watch it, watch it as a family if you want or watch it with a group of friends, that's called a small group. There's nothing big deal about that. It's just you're getting together and watching something and growing in God. So, um, yeah, feel free to do that. And if we don't have your email and you're a regular attender, please come and see me because I'd hate for you to miss out. Okay, I'm just going to move this pulpit a bit so people over here can see something. As you know, we're talking about unity as being part of the way that we move forward to uh, express the kingdom of God because if we don't have unity as a family, we become divided, true? That's not what we want. We want to be one together, one in the Spirit, one in the Holy Spirit just binding us together. But we can actually walk out of that unity and we looked last week at how we're meant to strive as best as we can to, to maintain the unity that we have. Now, the importance of that... We learnt it wasn't about us. It's really not about us. The gospel, the kingdom, is not about us. It benefits us because we're part of it. But really, if we think about it, God always ter- talks in terms of community. It's, you know, his people, his family. It's all about relationship. It's about the oneness together. His body, made of many parts which are one. The trinity, three in one. There's always that sense of community with God. And the biggest thing to stop the kingdom of God spreading is if we decide that we're not going to keep the unity that God has given us. We decide we're not going to walk in the purposes that he has for us. So I just want to go through some pictures um, here. Done it again. (laughs) Jane, you can start it if you want, actually. Now, in February 2009... Um, I don't know if you remember that. That was called Black Saturday. There had been some amazing heat conditions down south. And in fact, in Melbourne, 46.4 degrees. It was on the 7th of February, and that's the hottest ever recorded in any capital city. High winds up to 100 kilometres an hour were blowing through the place. And humidity was really, really low. So we're looking at 6% humidity. These were what they call extreme conditions and really what it enabled was for the Black Saturday fires to start to break out. Now, when I was going through these pictures, I was actually sort of brought back to this time and, you know, it's pretty heartbreaking. I remember listening about what was happening at the time and, you know, you sort of hear about the destruction and that and you wonder what's going on. But at the end of this... Tragically, there was 173 people dead. The fires were started by lightning, by power lines, arson and accidental. So there's a lot of different reasons why the fire started. As you can see from these pictures, you know, every fire starts small, pretty tiny. Yet by the end of it, they'd grown to a massive fire front talking over three and a half thousand firefighters sent out to battle the blazers. So it was a big, big event. It took manpower. It took the conditions to change to bring it back under control. And I'm just going to read to you, and, I, and I, as I was looking at this, obviously, this was in relation to our tongue, Okay? We're seeing here what can happen at the extent of a little spark lighting a fire, the damage that it can actually cause. And I was thinking to myself, Neil, is this really appropriate? Because I was talking to John, I said, I don't want to upset people. I don't want them to think that we're taking this lightly. This is at the end. This is a firefighter. Just in despair because of what's happening. Now, I have been a firefighter. Nothing that I faced was ever like that. And he was just distraught at what was happening. And I was like, can we really apply this in regard to the tongue? Can we really say that the power of the tongue is actually as bad as a fire? Because I'm going to read to you from James and then just sort of discuss that a little bit. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Instead, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong." In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and fish, but no one can contain the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. If you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honourable life doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. And I just felt really drawn to the verse that talks about the tongue being set on fire from hell itself. You see, sometimes we underestimate the power that is in the tongue. The Bible says death is in the power of the tongue. Death is in the power of the tongue. And when we minimise the effects of our words, when we minimise the effects of how we speak, how we react and engage with other people, we're doing God's word a disservice. And that's where I was struggling with. I was like, can we really compare this to such a tragedy? You can probably turn that image off, Jane, for the moment. And yet the news reports just the other week told of someone who committed suicide because of the words that were spoken against them. And I've seen more than once on TV the same thing. A young person bullied on the internet, taking their own life. Adolf Hitler stood before thousands and thousands of people and declared hatred, declared genocide, declared war upon people for no other reason that they weren't who he wanted them to be. And we know the result of what happened there. You see, to minimise our words is to actually do a disservice to the word of God which says we need to be careful. We need to make sure that our tongue is not set on fire of hell. We need to make sure that our tongue is not a tongue that speaks division, dissension, Gossip and lies. Yes, it is that serious. The words that we say, how many children have broken dreams because someone said you will never make it? How many of them have a low self-esteem because someone says you're not worth anything? And I'm sure that you can remember words that have been spoken to you. As you were a child, the words that discouraged you, that, that stripped the flesh off your very bones and cut deep into your soul? How many families have been torn apart? How many businesses have failed? How many countries have been thrown into turmoil because of the words that were spoken? And we can go on and on and on about this. How many marriages, because of a word that was spoken once, that was never retracted, have struggled through the years with unforgiveness, bitterness growing, the seed planted in the heart of a man or a woman. You see, our tongue is a very powerful thing And I wanted to introduce you today to three people that hopefully we're not, but at times we probably are, that can manage to split apart those that are called to be the family of God. When we are careless with our words, we are opening up the door for the devil. We are opening up the door for confusion, for strife, for rage, and for anger to enter in. And so we're going to look at some people that, that we really need to watch out for. And this is the troublemaker, the whisperer, and the talebearer. Who are these people? What do they do? How do they act? We're going to look at a few verses in Proverbs. Proverbs 16.28, we're talking about the whisperer here. Who is this person? Because the Bible says in Proverbs 16.28, a perverse man sows strife and a whisperer separates the best of friends. Can you hear the, the urgency in listening to this? You see, someone who is a whisperer can separate you from your very, very best friend. And how does it work? Has anybody listened to a whisper before, done that Chinese whisper thing where you you start off at one end and you whisper to everyone. You only say it once and it ends at the other end. How often is what's being said at the other end wrong? How often is it false? You see, someone who is a whisperer is like this. They talk very softly. They talk softly. They draw people away. They're saying, have you heard? Have you heard about this? Come over here to this corner. Let me talk to you. I just want to let you know this about that person. And what is it with a whisper? If you're listening to someone, you don't catch it all. And so quite often what you're being told is not the whole truth. It's part of the truth. It's like the words that you want to hear you can grab onto. And so they whisper and they go amongst people and they They just quietly go about their business, destroying friendships. The very person that you love and respect, they'll come and tell you something about them. And they'll whisper it in your ear, did you know? Have you heard? The Bible says that a person like that will separate the best of friends. What damage could that do to building his kingdom the tale bearer. I'm going and read a few verses about the talebearer Proverbs 11:13 a tailbearer reveals secrets but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter Proverbs 18:8 8, the words of a tailbearer are like tasty trifles and they go down into the inmost body Proverbs 20:19 he who goes about as a tailbearer reveals secrets therefore do not associate with the one who flatters with his lips. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no tailbearer, strife ceases. Proverbs twenty six twenty two. the words of a tailbearer are like tasty trifles, and they go down into the inmost body. You know what God's called us to do? Cover. Cover, cover a multitude of sin. And a tale bearer feels quite free to tell everything. You tell them a secret and they go and tell someone else. You tell them your heart, they go and tell someone else. And think about it yourself, how many times have you ever heard someone say, I shouldn't be telling you this, but do you know what they said? They told me not to say anything, so make sure you don't tell them because then I'll get in trouble for what I've said. Have you ever done that? I'm sure I have at some stage. Because you know what James says, the tongue is hard to control. It takes discipline and effort. And when we hear those tailbearers come, as, as, as we read through Proverbs, it says they're like tasty trifles. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is going to taste good. I'm going to know something that no one else knows. I'm going to know a secret about someone. And we need to watch out for that because where there is no tail bearer, strife ceases. What the Bible said here is it's like taking wood from a fire, taking out the fuel. Now, when I was in the fire brigade, we we learned about the fire triangle. I don't know if you guys know about that. And there's actually another part to that, so it becomes a fire rectangle sort of thing. But in order for a fire to burn, it needs three things, oxygen, fuel, and heat. Now, the other thing they added on later is a continuous chemical reaction. So we need to know that if we can take out one of these elements the is going to stop. So if I take out oxygen, the fire can't burn. If I take out the heat, the fire can't burn. If I take out the fuel, the fire can't burn. This is really important when we start to think about the words we listen to, the situations we come across as a family. Are you adding fuel to the fire? Or are you removing it? Are you cooling down the situation or are you heating it up? Are you giving what's been said oxygen or are you diminishing the amount of oxygen it has? What does that mean? It means when you're told, do you start to discuss it? Do you start to open that up? Do you start to make it bigger so that more people know even and so the discussion keeps growing and it gets oxygen? It's like it gets a life of its own. It becomes explosive. And the continuous chemical reaction, that last one, do you pass it on? Where does it stop? If you're told a secret, is it like you pass it on? Now, I want you to understand this, that there are times when you need to say stuff to the appropriate people. You see, like that man that we saw standing at the end, the firefighter, he was a bit beaten at that stage, but they finally got things under control. But guess what? Sometimes there's a fire that we need to report to the firefighter. We don't go and report it to the arsonist who will get all excited and want to light more. We go to the appropriate people or we can go and share things with our friend so you understand a close, good friend that we can talk to. But a simple rule is this. If you are not part of the problem and if you are not part of the solution, you probably shouldn't be talking about it. I'm not talking about general knowledge, guys. We're talking about deeper things. If you're not part of the solution or part of the problem, it's probably not your business. And, of course, in a church, it's really hard, isn't it? Because we're family. It's different. I honestly believe that. You know what it's like with your own family, There's a different relationship and that's the way it should be. So obviously things hurt a lot more when it's by family. We care a lot more because it's family. And so we need to guard our lips. We need to guard our lips but we also need to guard our ears. As the Bible says, be careful what you hear. Be careful what you're letting into your heart. Be careful because whatever is in your heart eventually comes out of your mouth. So we've actually seen the revealer of secrets in that one as well when we're reading through those verses. Proverbs 17:9. But he who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. You see, God is calling us to cover for other people. In fact, he says when he's talking about the body but he says there's some parts that we need to cover up. We need to cover them up. We need to be loving, and, and that's the act of love. Who are we? Are we lovers? Are we the lovers of our brothers and sisters? Now let's change a little bit of tack here. There's a king who wanted to sample the worst meat in his kingdom. So he sent out his servant to, to find whatever he could in the marketplace that was the worst thing. He came back and they cooked a the banquet that night and as he brought out all the stuff, it was all tongue. You know, we've got roast tongue here, stuffed tongue here, tongue everything. And the king was going, wow, incredible. And so in order to, to find out the other side of that, he said, hey, Can you go to the marketplace and bring me back the best, the very best this kingdom has to offer? He went out that night as he took the lids off the the serving plates, tongue. He said, what are you doing? Last night you gave me tongue as the worst, but today you're giving me tongue as the best in the kingdom. And the servant said, yes, because the tongue can be used to destroy to pull down, to hate, but it can also be used to build up, to love and encourage. You see, while we've focused so far on on the power of the tongue in a negative way, the Bible also tells us that the tongue brings life. The power of the tongue, in the power of the tongue are death and life. But it seems to me that the choice becomes ours. What do we do? How do we use our tongue? Are we the ones that that start to, to speak encouragement? Do we have wholesome words? Just read a few of those for you. Proverbs 18 verse 20. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. When we start to think right words, what's this saying? It says it's like a good meal. Whereas the tail bearer, when he brought the tail, it was like what? A sweet morsel. It goes down all right, tastes okay, but, but in the end there's a bitter aftertaste. It doesn't bring you nutrition. It doesn't build up your body. It doesn't build up the body of Christ. And yet he says wise words, they're like a good meal. How different is that? Suddenly you're satisfied with the food you eat. It's not like, oh, I just ate a whole lot of junk. I feel yucky. Ever felt like that? (laughs) Picked out on junk food all day and your teeth are furry. You you feel fat. (laughs) Then you eat a good meal, something wholesome, something good, and you're just like, yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. And that's what God is saying. You can use your tongue for good things. You can actually bring life into situations. You can actually say to a kid who's never, ever been told, you're amazing, you're amazing. I was listening during the week to to a message from um, Wes Stafford and he's in Compassion, he's the head of Compassion. And he was telling stories, and actually there's a book out, I should have got the name for you guys to have a look at, but it tells these stories of of kids who are teacher, an adult, somebody spoke into their life something amazing and encouraging. And the stories that come out of that, about how kids started to believe in themselves, how they started to grow, how they started to have hope, amazing. You see, our tongue can bring life. And In that first part of James, it does say that, that the tongue is also like a rudder on a ship. The tongue is like a bit in a horse's mouth. There are some things you'll be able to change quickly if you're talking the wrong way, like a horse, the bit in the mouth. If you went and rid horses, I hate horses. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't hate horses. I love them. They're beautiful, but I'm scared of them. <laughs> But you can see, like, if you ever go to a camp draft, most of it's leg control, by the way, but the horse can turn just like that. You can change direction. But you know what? There's some things that take time and effort. You see, a ship will not turn like that. A ship will turn slowly. And you might have had stuff in your life that's been said that has brought you down, I guess is the word They've stopped you being who you're meant to be. And you know what? You need people in your life that are going to speak life into you. In fact, we're going to look at that verse, which I just find amazing down here. I'll read two verses. Proverbs 11.30, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Proverbs 13.12, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Proverbs 15.4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. You see, we're not just talking about feeling bad. Words can literally break the spirit of a person. And what I find interesting about that Proverbs verse about a wholesome tongue is a tree of life You think about the significance of that. What is the tree that God forbid after they'd eaten the tree of fruit of good and evil, knowledge of good and evil, he placed an angel around it and said, I'm guarding that, the tree of life, right? So when you see a comparison like this, the tongue is like a tree of life. That's pretty significant. That's very significant, isn't it? Because when you see that comparison to the tree of life in the garden, it lifts it to a whole new level. It's not like, yeah, it's encouraging, yeah, it's good. It's saying this is just like what God has for you, the tree of life. And that is what God has given us. And the good thing is we can recover. We can actually Make the decision to change the way we talk. Now, what I want you to do is think about this. Just start going through those photos, Jane, of of what happened after the fires, just recovery as I just speak about this. One of the problems we have is that we're all about what we aren't meant to be doing. Okay? Now, if I'm on a diet, all I'm thinking about the first day of my diet is how hungry I am, but I can't possibly be hungry. It's my first day. Within the first couple of hours, it's like every chocolate I see, every iced coffee I I look at, i just got to have. I'm feeling that desire to have it because my focus is really wrong. The way to let your speech be turned around is this, to think about what you are to say. So if you're entering any situation, what you're doing is saying, How can I talk the way God wants me to talk? So you're not looking at what you're not meant to do. You're looking at what God says to do. And so every time you're in a situation, your focus is not on what can't I do, what can I do? And Colossians 4, 6 says this, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. And there's a myriad of verses about how we're to encourage one another. We've, we've talked about that before, how we're to build each other up. So if we can start to think that way, how can I actually use this tongue to turn the ship in the right direction? It is going to be a very powerful force inside of here because what if, as a community... We are speaking life into each other and anyone who comes in here, they hear life. What is the good news? What's the good news? What's the good news of Jesus Christ? To heal the broken hearted, set the captives free, set at liberty those who are bound, to heal the sick, to preach the gospel to the poor. You see, Jesus said, I didn't come to judge the world If you're not a Christian here today, I just want to tell you this right now. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it. He didn't send Jesus so we would all feel so bad about who we are. Jesus came to this earth so that you might be saved by believing in him. You see, there was no other way but Jesus Christ. Because I'm just not good enough. You're just not good enough to ever meet the requirements of a holy God. The good news is this, Jesus Christ met those requirements that he never sinned once. Though he was tempted just like we were, he never sinned once. And he became the representative for us to to God, the Father. And so this morning, if you are not a Christian, I just want to tell you this, that God loved you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, So that you would not have to perish. He wanted to give you life, and that's the tongue of God, isn't it? I've come to give life. I've come to give hope. I've come to give freedom. I've come to give liberty. I've come to give justice. I've come to forgive you of your sins. I didn't come to condemn you, I came to set you free. Can we just all bow our heads? I'm just going to pray and and maybe that's you this morning. You've never given your heart to Jesus. You've never said, Jesus, come into my life. And this morning you can just feel that you need to give your life to him. I just want you to pray this prayer with me and, and we're going to sing some songs after this and after that I'd just love you to come and just I'll wait up the front. You can come and say, hey, that was me. I prayed that prayer today. Father God, I'm so sorry for not being a friend of you. Just ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would forgive me. Jesus, come into my life. Take full control. I just want to receive your love and I I open myself up to that this morning. Jesus, I believe in you. And I thank you for the forgiveness of my sins. Amen.